listening to Everyday Engineering, the City of Madison's engineering podcast where we talk about infrastructure, complex topics explained simply, from the water that flows down your drain to the rain and snow that drains into the lakes, by way the curbs and streets we design. City engineering touches your life in so many ways, explained right now in Everyday Engineering. Trees, it's a simple topic for some projects here at the City of Madison, but for others, it's a whole conversation. Leading today's conversation, my name is Hannah Molinitsky. I'm the City of Madison Engineering Division Public Information Officer, joined here today by Engineering Division Water Resources Engineer Phil Gabler and Streets and Urban Forestry Superintendent from the Streets Division, Charlie Romines. Thanks both for being here. Thank you. Hi, Hannah. Hi. So before we get started, can you each just lay some groundwork for anybody who's listening? Explain a little bit what you do for the city and how it kind of relates to our tree conversation. Charlie, why don't you start since you're our guest and Phil has been on the podcast before. That's right. I'm a rookie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, thanks, Hannah. So uh, streets and forestry superintendent. So I oversee the, the division mm-hmm. and uh, the street side of the house. That is uh, solid waste recycling collection, large items, uh, leaf collection, yard waste, brush collection, um, minor street repair, street sweeping, and uh, as we're uh, taping this today, snow and ice as it gets ready to come in tonight is obviously one of the really big uh, things that we work through every year. Um, And then on the forestry side, our forestry unit in the city is a 38-person unit headed up by a city forester, um, and uh, they're involved, just like what it sounds, urban forestry throughout <laughs> the city. Uh, the public trees are, are kind of their domain, although the focus really winds up kind of being in those terrace trees, that area between the curb and the sidewalk. Sure. Phil? So as a water resource engineer at the city of Madison, I do work on both flood reduction and a lot of water quality work. And there's a fair amount of crossover with trees. They, they are good for some aspects of uh, stormwater management and also create a, a kind of a mess uh, that has impacts on our water quality. So I've worked with uh, the Streets Department and Charlie in particular with ways we can improve our leaf collection and also quantify the benefits we get from our efforts that we put forth now. Okay, so both very involved with trees or parts of them and how they're, um, I guess, serving our community and our space in our city. Um, we're not just talking about, oh, there's a tree there, but like really, why is it there? Why is it staying there? Why does it need to be removed? And we'll get into that in just a bit. Um, so trees, again, where do we begin? There's a whole conversation, maybe at the seed level, <laughs> like that one. Um, let's lay it out what our goal is for trees when it comes to projects at the city. From what I understand since being here um, working at the City of Madison, we always, always try to minimize tree removal when doing construction or any sort of development at the city. Is that correct? Yeah, that is correct. Healthy trees are are really uh, held in high regard uh, in any type of city project or projects that the city is involved with uh, approving. And so um, from a from a city forestry standpoint, we have processes for public trees when they're part of a, a project that project that is identified. Whether that is a street reconstruction, whether it's a private development, whether it is a private individual looking to um, perhaps remove a tree for a, a driveway or a business for signage, um, we get involved there. And um, and yes, we we try and protect healthy trees from removal at every chance we get. Yeah, I wanted to and, be clear about that. And on the construction side. When, when we, 
engineering works with forestry when there's a street reconstruction project, right? There's utilities underground and the trees, they, they don't care. They put their roots around those utilities and they, they, they get uh, enmeshed inside of the utilities in the right of way. Give them a hug. <laughs> and so They're friends. Right? And they, they we give the trees a hug behind. by giving them a, a no cut zone around their roots and trying to be <laughs> sensitive with our design. Sometimes we'll sure. leave an undersized storm sewer and put a new one in so that we don't have to rip up all the roots of next to mature trees. Mm-hmm. And that's, I, that's a pretty big hug for the trees. Right. Uh, yes. There's also other projects outside of the right-of-way, right, where we mm-hmm. have a greenway or a detention basin that's going into what oftentimes is pretty overgrown land. Mm-hmm. And in there, there's a concerted effort to see what kind of trees are there. Are they trees that are high-value trees? What can you do with the project to minimize the impact on those high-value trees? And we'll talk about that a little bit more. But yes. that is, that's the other side of the engineering impact on trees is we have a lot of land that has a lot of desired end uses. And the healthy the health of the trees is so important. You know, I think speaking to both of what you're saying, we want to keep healthy trees. And if there's any way we can, we do. I just want to be clear on that because people get heated about trees. We all know, um, and even the people maybe listening to this, you know, I guess, why do people get so heated? We know that everybody wants to keep the trees, but I, we do too. Um, but I think that there's, a, there's just some confusion or there's maybe um, more work on our half that we have to do to help educate people on why um, some of these options are even options when we do these projects. So... I guess, why are people so heated about trees for anybody who's listening who may not know? Well, the, the city has a lot of competing interests, right? A lot of com- competing interests, whether it's for greenway and, and storm, whether it is for the space on the terraces, uh, trying to be reasonable with development and developers, which is overly good for the city, but then also recognizing sometimes there's a cost for trees. And mm-hmm. balancing that out with the fact that, it, at least I'll speak to the, the terrace environment, it is very difficult for, as a very difficult growing environment for trees, right? And what so, do you mean by that? What do you mean by that? So so typically those terraces are only going to be four to eight feet wide. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're going to get salt uh, poured on them, you know, getting slopped over from the plowing in the winter. Uh, they get struck by cars. Um, it gets really cold here. They have competing, you know, power lines or mm-hmm. infrastructure underneath. And so there's just a lot of conspiring against trees in these terraces. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially those terrace widths make it just additional layer of unforgiveness. So when you have a tree that is reaching or has successfully reached maturity, mm-hmm. um, that is, um, that's really a hard thing to get to. And so it is completely understandable. We hate it when something happens and that tree has to be removed. Mm-hmm. And and to us, while it's important, right, it's one of thousands of trees. But if that is, if you're in that neighborhood or if that is your tree adjacent to your property or it's on your way to and from work or where you travel each day, mm-hmm. those trees or that tree take on an even outsized importance. And when those trees have to get removed, right, it leaves a mark. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it's completely understandable uh, out, outside of the benefits the tree provides at maturity, right? When you're talking about uh, heat islands, cooling the house, 
providing a sense of place in neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. um, there's, there's just a lot of benefits those mature trees provide. So it's completely understandable why people get upset when they feel like they have to be removed unnecessarily. And I think to Charlie's name, change is also a really hard thing for humans in general to, to adjust to, right? Sure. And if you look at some of the policy changes we've had in the terrace, so there's times when you had a mature tree that might have had a big section of its canopy cut out around power lines, mm -hmm. and now it's going to be replaced with a tree that's not going to grow into those power lines. But it feels like a significant change. And I think maybe the corollary over in the Greenway project realm is that we have a lot of greenways that were inherited by the city in a state of disrepair and basically it was the idea was well we're just going to let it continue to drain the water and as development has occurred and as rainfall patterns have changed you're getting more water through this greenway which was never really designed initially and initially and now it's getting a bunch of water through it you're getting a lot of erosion which has a lot of negative impacts on our lakes and you have an ecosystem that's pretty out of balance because invasive species have been let loose in these greenways. Yeah, they're and they're yeah, taking they're taking over. So they're that taking e over. you have an ecosystem kind of on life support with some pretty negative impacts from stormwater and it was never designed. And you have to make up for those past oversights and that results in a lot of change, which is hard. Greenways aren't just grassy or forestry-ish, um, pretty-ish, you know, spaces in the city, they actually do have a function, especially when it comes to stormwater. And I think a lot of people do not realize that, to say it most bluntly. So when we come in and we need to really take a look at all the trees and say, okay, uh, is this greenway actually supposed, is it working how it's supposed to? Is it supporting the amount of runoff and sediment and everything that's moving through it? No. Why? Well, you know, are roots exposed? Is there invasive species? Is, you know, are they running wild and free in there? You know, I mean, there's, there is some reality to that where we want to make sure that people understand why, because we never want to go in there and be like, oh, that tree is just going. And I think that that, that, that is somehow misunderstood in the process. So back to the process, I just want to be clear, like, what does, like, we always want to keep trees, but when we need to remove them, what does that process look like? Sure. Uh, as it relates to uh, right-of-way trees, typically uh, that process would look like if, if the city, if city forestry rec uh, identifies a tree that needs to get removed, uh, we will provide notice to the adjacent property owners that that tree would need to be removed, unless it's an, an emergency situation, like uh, significant storm damage or something like that. Okay. Um, and provide them a couple of days notice that the tree would be removed, and then we go ahead and remove it. Mm -hmm. If it needs to be removed as part of a, like I'd mentioned before, a development project or um, a homeowner uh, is looking to move a driveway or business sign, that process is typically going to go through the Board of Public Works mm -hmm. and... Um, forestry um, as needed or called upon will then review that site and those trees um, and then identify healthy trees versus trees that need to be removed. It's, it's not on the, that uncommon on larger projects where that involves a, a number of right-of-way trees where there may be a tree or two in there that needs to be removed based on health, not the project. The goal is once we go to Bo Board of Public Works, there's a clear understanding that based on this project or this application, um, that the trees that need to be removed 
uh, or significantly pruned back will be identified. Um, it's not 100% perfect all the time, and we are working on improving that, but mm -hmm. that is the, the process that's, that's generally followed uh, for the, those right-of-way trees. And on the engineering greenway detention basin side of things, when we're putting together a project, we will get the trees surveyed most times. Uh, we then will take the plan and we go to the Habitat Stewardship Committee mm -hmm. and they will give a recommendation to forestry. Forestry will then give the engineering department the approval slash permit to remove those trees and then that is rolled up into the package that goes to the Board of Public Works and then goes out to bid. And, and I would just real quickly add to Phil's point there, um, engineering, and, and I've been with the city for 12 years, has has come leaps and bounds when they come they're they're typically not just coming about we want to remove but they have an entire package that is remove and what they plan to do to replant whether that is uh, different trees or native grasses and things like that so mm -hmm. engineering really does a nice job in their greenways when they're coming in to remove uh, over the last handful of years it's not just about removal but they come in with a package of how they're going to really improve that um, greenway for the betterment of the environment, not just stormwater conveyance. So I think that's an important point to make and touching on Phil's thing earlier, it can be a change if you're used mm -hmm. to that greenway providing screening and now maybe it's a little less screening but more effective as a stormwater conveyance. Mm -hmm. Those are trade-offs in the city you have to, you know, you have to make. And you talked about healthy versus unhealthy and I know, um, Phil, can you kind of shed a little more light on um, maybe the invasives or any or both of you i guess at this point you know when it comes to healthy or unhealthy because a lot of people argue that um you know i'm hearing from engineering or our team at the city i would say you know we need to remove that tree because it's probably going to die off anyway because it's got invasive species or, or what what have you all of it we know that it's not going to live but some people argue that it's better to keep that I guess, can you just shed light on that, that sort of kind of conflicting idea? Well, there's the um, emotional response sometimes people have when a tree or a, a group of trees that are very important to them need to be removed. Um, it is our job in city, forester, uh, city forestry to um, look at it based on what the tree is presenting, right? Is it, is it healthy? Um, does it have um, decline, whether that is through disease or defect? Mm -hmm. um, that means the tree is in enough decline or significant decline that it needs to be removed and, and take a dispassionate look at it. And that understandably can be very difficult for someone, a resident or someone, you know, to, to take that approach. And I think that's where a lot of times that uh, conflict comes. And related to, um, uh, what we plant on the terrace and whether they're invasive. We plant on the terrace while we work. <laughs> um, we have a, a rather large planting list um, that we, we will stick to, and it is certainly smaller than what might be available in a park setting or a greenway setting, again, because of that harsh environment. Sure. And when we're looking at what we're going to remove and, and plant and, or keep in a greenway project, mm -hmm. a lot of Wisconsin before European settlement had oak savanna. There's about 1% of that that remains. What is that? Now an oak savanna is these large oak trees that are, they have space in between. Sunlight is hitting the soil in between those trees. You know, dappled sunlight is what they call it. And that lets all this vegetation, grasses and flowers and 
all the things that our pollinator friends like, all the things we put into the rain gardens, they're all growing underneath these oak trees. And it's a very, very productive ecosystem for insects, birds, wildlife. It's, it's great. It's a great grocery store for them. <laughs> when you then have these degraded landscapes and things like buckthorn and honeysuckle and other invasive species come in, right? Which our are ins- bad. Yeah, our insects don't like those, mm-hmm. which is part of the reason they're here. People love them as ornamental plants because you put them in and you don't have to worry about the bugs eating them. They look great all the time, but they don't provide any food. That kind of starts to chip away at the the food that the ecosystem can provide to all the wildlife you want to be there. And in the case of buckthorn, it grows so dense in the understory that none of the oaks can regenerate. So you could look at an oak woods that's full of buckthorn and say, like, well, it's still an oak woods. That's temporary. Yep, for now it is. It is, <laughs> it is going, all you're watching is an oak forest die. You're not walking through a healthy forest. So by taking that buckthorn out, replanting the natives, adding fire back into the regime or other ways to control the buckthorn that might come up, you are creating a much healthier ecosystem. You're bringing a grocery store back to a food desert and you can stabilize the soil because the buckthorn doesn't let anything grow underneath it. You, it doesn't hold the soil well. And a lot of the benefits you might think you're getting from the forest, like carbon sequestration, mm-hmm. your, that soil might have some carbon in it, but it's going to get washed into the lake. So now you're losing your carbon from the soil and you're adding phosphorus and sediment to our lakes, which is something that we don't want, and spend a lot of money to try to prevent. Mm-hmm. And, and a plug for my friends in Madison Parks, our, our Madison Parks Conservation Unit does a great job with the conservation parks throughout the city, um, restoring Oak Savannah and a, and a number of other types of conservation grounds. Uh, Paul Quinlan, Brandon Mann, and the staff there do a, do a great job. So anybody who has interest in learning more about that or seeing those restorations um, happening should check out Madison Parks Conservation Group. These are all really good points, I think. Thank you for taking the time to actually explain that in, in a little more in detail, especially when it comes to buckthorn and all of these things, both of you. Um, you know, I think as we're wrapping up here, we kind of talked about native trees. Did you want to talk any more about that, Phil, or anything else we missed on that? Right, there's, there's, I will say that there's more to the world than just oaks. Oaks are put on this pedestal. Oh, how can you say that? <laughs> no, I, I love listening. oak trees, right? <laughs> Uh, <laughs> but they're they're really your premier grocery store. The sure. oaks are right. They're better right. than any other tree that is in in North America for providing food and ecosystem services. But there's a whole lot of other trees, and some of even our natives. Right, we have some that are kind of weedy natives, and right, we have some ecosystems that are out of balance. Sometimes a few of those need to, you know, be push back and maybe you, you make a little space for another tree, trying to balance that tree canopy, native canopy to provide the highest level of ecosystem service you can, right? It's a balancing act. And then also we have recreation, we have conveyance, right? I'd be remiss as a stormwater engineer to not <laughs> say that <laughs> for a greenway, a lot of times number one goal is to safely convey water through our urban environment in a non-erosive way and the water is always going to win right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you can try to constrain it into a small path but if it if the physics doesn't work 
it is going to just make its own path. Mm -hmm. And we can properly design things that will be maintainable and be stable and can have a very healthy ecosystem built around it. Mm -hmm. Or we can kind of just put it in the back corner and let nature take its course. The second option has a lot of negative ramifications for our lakes and can become unsafe and can be pretty messy for a long time and may end up flooding someone's house. So I definitely go towards the, well, let's design this system. But I understand that people do look at, like part of the public debate is, well, what is the optimum use for this area? Mm -hmm. And I, I trust our team, I think we have a good pragmatic approach to getting to a, a very high level of service for all of all of the benefits that a greenway can provide. But we we have our public information debates and we, we have competing interests in our community, which is fine. Which is fine. And we welcome um, feedback. But yes, thank you. Thank you for explaining that, Phil. And um, Charlie, since we're out of time now, you get the last word. Anyone listening to this, what do you want them to know? about trees in any form that I didn't ask you that, you know, they're listening, maybe they're frustrated. What do you want people to know when they leave this podcast? I, you know, I want people to know that it, it, it hurts um, streets and the urban forestry team uh, to remove trees that are, that are, uh, that it's not time to remove if there's some competing interest that gets it, uh, that puts it there. Mm -hmm. uh, none of that group went to school, uh, became arborist because they like to remove trees. Uh, they love pruning trees, planting trees, seeing trees grow to health. Um, they're there. They are, they are a true believing group of people. So um, while it certainly hurts and we get why people don't want kind of their tree removed, we don't want to remove it either. And, and we genuinely look for ways uh, to responsibly and safely avoid removing trees. Well, there you hear it. There you hear it. Thank you both for joining us today. Good conversation. We'll keep the conversation going. If you have a question or a comment and you're listening to this podcast, please feel free to write in to us at engineering at cityofmadison.com. Also, check out the Engineering Division website, the Streets Division website, all full of resources. Um, we have information especially about greenways and ponds and all sorts of stormwater um, chunks in this whole process. And then, of course, the Streets Division has so many resources as well on any other topics you want to learn more about because we are always here for you every day in engineering.